0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. But we're launching a brand new series today. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna explore the incredible story of Joseph. Joseph's story is full of twists and turns of passion and intrigue and strong emotions like jealousy and anger and even joy. And this is a fantastic resource that uh, the team have put together to help you in your your life groups to do this journey together. You can pick one of these up on your way out today or you can scan the QR code or jump online and download one of these uh, booklets that'll just help you do this journey, whether you're in a life group or not. I want to encourage you to pick it up and use it during the week. But the uh, Joseph story, the last 13 chapters of Genesis, are an exciting read. Uh, Do yourself a favour, get into God's Word over these coming weeks. Read this incredible story of Joseph. It's better than any Netflix docuseries or reality TV rubbish. And Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deep into Joseph's story. And we're going to find out that Joseph was a bit of a dreamer. Today, as we start this series, by looking at a significant dream that Joseph had, I've been, uh, I've been trying to figure out, is God speaking to me in my dreams? You know, As we've been preparing for this message over the last week, I've tried to pay just a little bit more attention to the dreams I've been having. You know, in those first few seconds of wakefulness, I've tried to grasp on the last few images that have passed through my consciousness. I'm wondering, God, do you want to say something to me? And it's normally so hard to hold on to a dream, right? But this week I've tried. And it's been really weird. I've had some truly bizarre dreams this week, and see, including one dream where I dropped my kids to school, but it was at a snow resort. And then I went and hosted family reunions and birthday parties. I had another dream where I was driving down the highway. maybe God was speaking to me about coming down to Orma. I was driving down the driveway the highway, I should say, and my car ran out of fuel. And so I went around looking for an electric plug to plug it into. And then the, the scariest dream I had this week was me running away from a big, brown, grizzly bear. But it wasn't kind of running on all fours. It was standing up straight and running like Usain Bolt. And I don't know what is going on with my dreams there. I don't know if anybody's got some interpretations of that or maybe a great psychologist to check me into. I don't think God is really calling me to, uh, to move to Canada to become a snowboard instructor who drives a Tesla in all of that. But uh, maybe, I don't know. But the reality is that God doesn't use every dream to speak something to us. Sometimes he does give us visions and pictures for the future. He gives us a picture of something that we want to pursue. And occasionally that happens through dreams as we're sleeping. But more often he gives us those pictures and visions. They come to us when we're praying. Or they come out of a a deep internal longing or desire. God does give us dreams and visions and pictures that He wants us to pursue. And this morning, we're going to explore the dream that God gave Joseph. So why don't you turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 37. Really easy to find, first book of the Bible. And uh, we're going to explore a little bit of Joseph's dream together. And Joseph had a really complex family background. Maybe he's going to explore this further next week at Grandparents' Day. Make sure you get along. But Joseph's family was messy. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob, who also became known as Israel. And Israel had these four different kind of wives. These these 12 boys were born to four different women. And Joseph was the second youngest in the tribe, but he was also his father's favourite. And because of that, his brothers hated him. So let's read this story. We're going to start Genesis chapter 37 beginning at verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Sounds really messy, right? Doesn't take long to discover this picture of a messy family. And family dinners have got to be pretty awkward in Joseph's home. Here's this young lad, only 17 years of age, and clearly his father's favourite. He doesn't seem to have to work as hard as his brother's. And he's the one who goes back to his dad and gives them bad reports. It seems like he's, a, as my grade four son would say, a bit of a dobber. But Joseph's been given this ornate robe to wear. A robe that traditionally would have only been worn by the head of the family and the heir to the family. It should be the father and the eldest son who wears this kind of robe. Not one of the youngest boys. And so the Bible tells us that because of all of this, His brothers hated him. That's really strong language for the Bible. I imagine they couldn't even bring themselves to say the Hebrew greeting, shalom, to poor old Joseph. They just would have grunted at him, ignored him. And then it gets worse. Joseph has this dream from God. Genesis continues in, in verse five. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. I had another dream. Here he goes again. And this time, the sun and moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Talking about how to win friends and influence people, right? Sharing these dreams with your entire family and all your brothers who already hate you, even your mum and dad, that one day they're going to bow down to you as if you were ruling over them? Some may say that's courageous. Others might say that that's just a stupid move by a young man. But even though Joseph believed these dreams were directly from God, the ones closest to him, his whole family, rejected them. I wonder whether you've experienced rejection of the dreams and visions and pictures that you have? Have you ever felt that others have knocked you back when you felt that you've been given a direction or a promise from God? It seems that often it's the way that those who are the closest to us are the ones who reject our dreams, at least initially. Many years ago, my wife Lauren and I had a sense from God to step out and to do something different. We were both working at Gateway and in the youth ministry and we were just beginning to help out with a fledgling youth ministry, getting it off the ground down here at Ormo. But we sensed God was leading us into a different season and He was leading us to do some mission work overseas. See, both of us, in particular my wife Lauren, had a dream to love kids who hadn't experienced the love of a family. And as we prayed, as we sought God, as we discerned what next steps were and we knocked on some doors, We were led to a Christian ministry in America that ministered to at-risk youth. And through this discernment process that we went through, we had so many confirmations from so many different people that we just knew that this vision was from God. But there was one really close family member who was the most negative on the whole idea. They weren't a fan of this picture, of this vision. And they let us know time and time again And their disapproving voice was one of the only ones in a sea of affirmation. But it was a really challenging time as we tried to figure out, God, what are you saying? We were so convinced that this dream was from God, we ended up deciding that this close family member, we we actually just said, well, we're sorry that you think that way, and we left anyway. And in the first month that we were over there, we felt God confirm that we'd made the right call time after time after time. We ended up having a brilliant uh, three and a half years over there. I think we made a positive impact on the lives of a bunch of people. And uh, we had a lot of fun as well. And eventually, this close family member who initially rejected those dreams, they ended up coming to visit and realised that perhaps that they had gotten it wrong. But the reality is that sometimes those who are closest to us, our families and our friends, they often dismiss our dreams. I want to encourage you today Don't let that stop you from pursuing your God-given promises. Don't quit on your dreams just because your dreams are rejected. Don't give up on the vision that God has placed on your heart as you've read His Word, as you've sought Him in prayer. Don't stop pursuing those dreams just because those closest to you dismiss them as crazy or ridiculous. By all means, seek the wise counsel of others. Ask God to confirm what what you believe that he's saying to you. But don't let anybody stop you from pursuing God's call on your life. If you know that dream is from God, don't quit on your dreams because they're rejected. But for Joseph, his brothers didn't just reject his dreams. They wanted to kill him. Let's keep reading this story. We're going to pick up from verse 17. And this is uh, where his father, Jacob, Jacob, has sent Joseph to go and check in on his brothers. They've moved on from here. This man answered to Joseph. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben, Reuben's the eldest, heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And that cistern was empty There was no water in it. The Bible doesn't tell us how long Joseph was thrown into this cistern or this this pit. But that moment, in that moment, Joseph's dreams looked dashed. Joseph knew how his brothers felt about him, how much they hated him in his dream coat. And whilst he was in the pit, he probably heard them discussing what to do with him, debating whether to kill him or not. And his dreams looked dashed, his dreams looked defeated. They even looked dead. But Joseph's story encourages us to not quit when we're in the pit. Don't quit when you're in the pit. In the late 1700s, God gave Englishman William Carey a dream. The oldest of five kids, Carey started out as a really poor shoemaker and someone who had persistent allergies. He was just not a well person. But he became a Baptist preacher and God gave him a vision for India a desire to reach the country for Christ. And as he shared this idea of ministering in India, his father called him mad. And his pregnant wife was against the idea, only changing her mind to join him at the last possible moment. But William Carey pursued this dream no matter what. In his own words, he was going to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. But it wasn't easy once he finally got to India, he laboured for seven years before he saw his first convert. It took him many more years to complete his first translation of the New Testament into the local Bengali language. But it was so difficult for people to read, he had to throw it out and start again. Along the way, one of his sons died. And then shortly after, his wife had a mental breakdown and she eventually died as well. Shortly after that, a fire in his shop just swept through and destroyed everything he had worked to accomplish. His dictionaries, his translations, everything, gone. It seemed that William Carey was in a pit. But Carey never quit on the dream that God had given him. He persevered. He remained faithfully obedient to the vision that God had given him. He patiently endured all the hardships and all the difficulties that were thrown up against him. And he ended up spending 40 years in India, translating the Bible, setting up schools and bringing significant social reform. He has been described as the father of modern missions and his dream to see many people come to faith in India was realised. William Carey didn't quit when he was in the pit. See, God gives us these dreams and visions. He invites us to trust Him that He will bring them to be. But we're not just to sit back and expect it all to happen right in front of us. God uh, God doesn't promise that it's gonna be easy, but He does invite us to be participants in His promises. He invites us to be co-labourers with Him. And I believe that when God gives us a promise, He asks for a couple of things in return. He asks for faithful obedience and he asks for patient endurance. Firstly, faithful obedience. What does that look like? And when difficulties come our way, it can be really easy to doubt. Was that really God's idea? God, are you still actually with me? The challenges cause us to question, cause us to, to, to wonder whether God is really in it. A lack of progress tempts us to lose hope. But God calls on us to be faithful to him to continue to trust and obey, to stay committed to this vision, to obey what he tells us to do. And we do not know what Joseph was feeling as he was sitting in that pit. Perhaps he was expecting never to see his family again. But through it all, he stayed faithful and obedient to God. Even later in his journey, as we'll find out in the next few weeks, he was obedient to God's commands and he remained faithful and trusting that God would provide And secondly, as God invites us to participate in His promise, He asks us for patient endurance. Dreams don't turn into reality overnight. It doesn't happen all at once. Us human beings are impatient creatures, and we live in a disposable society. If something something is not working out for us, we just throw it away. We just get rid of it. But God is the Father of time. He's not in a rush. He's got all the time in the world. For his plans to come to be. For Joseph, it would be 23 years between receiving this dream from God and God's fulfillment of it. God calls us to be patient, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, whatever comes our way, and to endure the challenges and setbacks by continuing to put one foot after the other as we walk with him and the future that he has for us. Don't quit when you're in the pit. Instead, faithfully obey and patiently endure. Trust that God, when he gives you a promise, even when you're in the pit, he will prevail. I'm not sure how long Joseph was in the pit for, but I'm sure the next step didn't feel like a step in the right direction either. His eldest brother, Reuben, had convinced his brothers not to kill him, but they got rid of him nonetheless. They pulled him out of the pit and offered him to some Midianite merchants, so basically human traffickers, for the paltry sum of 20 shekels of silver. After Joseph has kind of been carried off into the distance, I can imagine these brothers patting themselves on the back, congratulating one another. That they'd finally got rid of their pesky little brother. And before they return home, they, convinced, they came out with a plan to convince their father that Joseph had just innocently lost his life. Genesis continues by telling us the story from verse 31. It says, These brothers, they got Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, Hey, father, we found this. Examine it to see whether this is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. This is a crazy story of betrayal. But as I reflect on this story of Joseph, I can't help but recognise another similar story "'of even greater significance. "'A favoured son, coming into the world "'with visions of people bowing down to him, "'an heir to the throne, the firstborn, "'even firstborn amongst all creation, "'a life which led to him being despised and rejected "'by the influences of the day, "'betrayed by those closest to him, "'sold for the price of a handful of silver coins, "'then turned over to foreigners, "'left to die with those few who remained loyal,' assuming that this was the end. See, Joseph's story, it actually really closely mirrors Jesus' story. But even when dreams appear dead, God is not done with yet. Because whatever God promises, God delivers. Whatever God promises, He delivers. Joseph was sold into Pharaoh's service. And as we'll find out over the next few weeks, he eventually became the Pharaoh's 2IC. In a resurrection of sorts, one day Jacob stands at Joseph's feet once more. And he does indeed bow down in homage to his sons. To his son, I should say. And all of Joseph's brothers also bowed down to him. And the dream that Joseph had been given at age 17 became reality. And in that moment, Joseph says this powerful statement. He says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God was faithful to His promises. God was true to His Word and God delivered on the dream. See, whatever God promises, God delivers. And of course, it's not always a straight line. As Joseph's life shows, there's been many setbacks. There are many challenges to overcome. But in God's sovereignty, Our setbacks become stepping stones to success. Joseph had to pass through the pit in order to see the promise. And being in that pit, that cistern, wasn't the only time Joseph found himself in a bind. But the reality is, when we follow Jesus, we're going to face setbacks. Jesus himself tells us whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily and follow me. And the way of the cross is not always a straightforward path. Jesus' own life shows us that the path to greatness is a descending one. We are to follow the ways of Christ and trust in God's promises no matter what happens in the pursuit of our God-given dreams. Paul reminds us, the apostle Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, he reminds us to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When God gives us a dream, He wants us to hold on to that dream. He calls us to faithful obedience and patient endurance. And just like Jesus, God gave Joseph a promise for both men, at some point in their journey, those dreams were in a pit. The dreams seemed dash. They looked that they looked like the dreams were dead. But God's promise prevailed. They continued to be faithfully obedient and patiently endured until God delivered on His promise. I've seen God be so faithful to His promises, even here amongst this congregation down here at Ormo. More than 10 years ago, God gave the church a vision to plant a campus down the highway. And we sent 100 odd people from our McKenzie congregation on a crazy adventure to begin something new. Something we'd never done as a church before, but something that we believed that God had put in our heart. And many of you in this room have been part of that dream for more than a decade. And I'm sure there's been many times that you felt like you are in a pit. And you're going, what on earth are we doing here? Oh, I remember coming down here for, on a Friday night uh, from time to time and helping to run a youth ministry for young people. I remember coming down and there were like four kids. And I was just saying to God, God, is this really what you want us to do? Are you sure that this is going to work out? And now Jimmy tells me on a Friday night, there's around 50 kids here uh, for youth and there's a good 30 to 40 as well coming to Kids Club. During the week, you you can't stop Maney talking about how awesome the Ormo family camp is and, and how Jesus is just continuing to change lives all across the campus. And I know that the dream isn't complete yet. God has a lot more to do. Now, the whole church is believing for God to provide a permanent home for this family, to buy land and to have your own unique space. We're believing for that. We're praying for that. And the whole church is behind you. We're excited to see what God is going to do down here on the, on the northern Gold Coast. And as He works, just to see how you guys are going to continue to faithfully obey, continue to patiently endure. God will bring His dream to reality because what God promises, God delivers. This morning, I want to encourage you to consider What are the dreams that God has given you? And how are those dreams developing? What are the pictures and the visions that God has put in your heart for the future? What are the visions that God has given you for your career, your family, your ministry, your impact? Maybe those dreams are starting to come to reality now. You're starting to see them come to fruition. That's something to celebrate, something to thank God for. But perhaps here, you're here this morning and you're finding yourself in a a metaphorical pit when it comes to those dreams and visions. Perhaps right now, your dream seems so far off that it almost looks impossible. Maybe things have just been stagnant for a while. There's been no movement. You're feeling restricted. There's an uncertain future. Maybe you feel a little bit like Joseph, stuck in that pit. God's promises might not be happening right now in your family. It might be difficult to see where that breakthrough is coming from. Or perhaps that ministry dream seems further off now than it did a few years ago. But this morning as we respond, I want to invite us to pray for one another. We're a church here and God has put us together to encourage one another, to spur one another on. And so I'm going to create some space right now for us to do that to turn to someone next to us and just to share where things are at to pray for one another maybe here this morning you're not quite comfortable in doing that you're not right you're real sure you don't really know anybody as the band just quietly plays I want to encourage you just to spend some time reflecting praying yourself just to, to God asking for that that faithfulness asking for His help to stay obedient and to endure I want to encourage you to consider where do you feel like you're in a pit right now? Where do you long to see God move? I want to encourage you right now just to, uh, to turn to somebody. Why don't we jump to our feet right now, actually? Just jump to your feet. Turn to somebody and, uh, and just start sharing. You can go as deep, or, as deep as you want, to the extent that you want to share. But I just want to encourage you right now as we're standing, if you're comfortable, Just turn around to somebody and share your responses to those questions. Where do you feel like you're in a pit? How are your dreams going? And where where do you long to see God move? Maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your career, maybe it's in your ministry, your impact. Where do you long to see God move? I wanna encourage us just to share really briefly and then just pray. Pray a blessing on one another. Encourage one another this morning. Just speak life, speak God's hope into one another's situation. Let's do that right now. Let's turn to one another. and Let's pray for one another. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and our locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au